Infinity Link Eagles podcast offseason episode. I want to say this is volume eight of offseason episode 11 or 12 in total. I'm going to have to go back and count. A Philadelphia Eagles love story. I got Drew here with me. How you doing today, sir? Good, my dog. Good. Ready to uh, discuss all the recent events for the birds, man. It's still the first couple weeks of training camp, but it feels like a lot's gone on already. So excited to uh, talk about what we're going to do today, man. I mean, let's just kick it off with, I wouldn't say hell we went through yesterday because everything seemed to go pretty good. Um, right, Kelly Green Day, but I mean, especially I compared you, to some other people I've seen and some stuff that's been going on since. But yeah, luckily we both got confirmation that our orders are shipped and not on the way. Anything. Right, might not be here August eighth. What about you? Uh, I didn't follow up and look again. As long as I seen shipped, I was okay. <laughs> right, right, especially after we got that notification. Because uh, I dang near had a heart attack. I guess it's, you know, when you don't clear the notifications off your phone. So it was shortly after the, the notices, you know, had come out on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now. Uh, it'll forever be Twitter, man. <laughs> but uh, if, <laughs> if yeah, um, you've seen, I've seen that notification come out. And then I was looking through my stuff and I had seen a fanatics like, a message about your order or whatever and i freaking was like oh no so i opened up and it was just i i had already checked it before it was the confirmation that it shipped i guess since i set up so many notifications to let me know it sent, like texted me and sent it to both my emails and yeah so just glad to see it's on the way man uh some others weren't as fortunate but you know hey we we both got on i think me and you was both talking uh i'm an hour behind y'all so about 7 30 my time we were sitting there talking about waiting for it and i already looking on the sites and getting nervous because it wasn't there and nine o'clock hit and uh i'm sure as most of you who bought your jerseys online know fanatics and the nfl shop system crashed uh because of so many of us trying to get on and get these jerseys that that gave us a little heart attack for a couple seconds uh but yeah like you said it all in all it was uh we were more panicked than we needed to be. It was a pretty smooth, smooth transition. We got through, got it ordered. Man, I didn't even, I'm a dummy. I probably paid more than I should have. I didn't put any discount codes in or anything like that. I just, I was trying to get it pushed through. So I knew that I got notified that I got one. Apparently that was the right thing to do. So. Yeah. I know I got up early that day. Well, yesterday, I want to say I text you, uh, Eight in the morning, almost on the dot yesterday because yeah. um, picture of uh Jalen Hurts uh lock screen, uh the confetti falling on him uh as the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And guys, the work he's putting in and training camp and the reports that we've seen uh from all the outlets and people covering live from training camp, he seems like he's poised to make that leap into elite territory as far as a thrower. Man's on a mission. That's all I got to say. You can definitely tell. Um, for those of you who don't know, obviously, if you don't know those Eagles fans who might uh, not get on social media channels as much, um, it's come out and come to everyone's attention due to, of course, every year now since Doug's been there, um, they do the rookie. It used to be a talent show, but now I guess it's a singing competition. 
Um, so during that, I guess Jalen had taken his phone out to take a video or photo of one of the rookies, and uh, somebody had snapped a photo of his phone lock screen, which is him walking out through the confetti, uh, the red and white, obviously the wrong colors from the Super Bowl last year. So even though he played a great game in that game, um, you know, that's obviously going to be when he hopefully looks back at the end of his career, that's going to be one of the low points um, in his great chance to be historic career. Uh, and that's just one of the examples of why, you know, uh, he did something similar. Uh, I believe when he was at Alabama, he had a, tro- a picture on his phone of Clemson holding up the trophy as his lock screen so that every day when he woke up, I mean, think about how often we looked at our phones. Um, so every time he goes to unlock his phone, like I got my daughter um, or my daughter's as my lock screen and my phone screen. So, of course, that's what I look at all day long. But, of course, Jalen, every time he opens his phone, has to have that sting of, you know, come on, man. I'm, I still, dude, I ain't even played Madden. I have been like all anti-football ever since we lost the Super Bowl because I've been, you know, in my little funk. Uh, to now where now we're back in the new year training camp. I'm starting to get all excited again and get some jitters. But, man, I needed the little uh, three-month break that we had uh, from the game because, you know, I we I think I, I speak for most Eagles fans when I say I was really disappointed uh, with the way the game went out, especially, you know, we had the game. Um, and if we hadn't had the game and then to end up losing it like we did, I don't know if it would hurt as bad. Um, you know, but obviously, you know, Jalen still has not gotten over it. And that's something that's going to, uh, motivate him and fuel him this season. And obviously it's fueled in this off season. And, uh, if you haven't gotten the updates, like my boy Don said, uh, the ball ain't touched the ground much, uh, when Jalen's been throwing, uh, now on the contrary side, it sounds like Mariota has been having a bad camp. We'll get into that later. Um, I think I'm going to move him to my most likely that might be a surprise cut um, if it continues to be the way it is for him. Um, And, of course, like I said, we'll probably get into it later, but there is some talk of some line issues there. But back to the topic of conversation with Jalen as a lock screen, man, it just just goes to show that, you know, with the work he's putting in, the ball's not touching the ground. There's starting to be videos coming out of these just dimes that he's dropping in practice. And, you know, he's still uh, through, what, four or five practices now? I think today was practice four. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, practice. So through four, through four practices, he has not thrown one interception. Now, if you go look at all the videos around the league from the other teams, uh, there's plenty of quarterbacks out there that are throwing picks, uh, some more than others, some of them in Texas. Uh, but, I mean, even, you know, there's, there's plenty of video. Aaron Rodgers has thrown a couple – uh, which is not unusual for him. He he likes to take his chances, and he's learning a new system, et cetera, uh, which technically I guess is new with the, the offensive coordinator. But, yeah, man, uh, Jalen, I'm very excited to, to see the, the, the leap that he takes. Um, you know, and if it's anything like last year, just think of that leap, Dom, that he made last year, you know, and how he's moved himself into borderline elite status. You know, I, I the only I, what I would say is elite is his competitiveness, his ability to work, his work ethic, um, amongst other things. But you know, um, maybe the throwing intangibles might lack in some certain areas. You know, maybe not as much arm strength as you'd like from an elite QB. 
but he just has that willingness to improve and get better. So I'm excited to see how much better he is this year, man. What you think about it? What you think he's going to do this year? Um, I'm excited because, of course, um, it's cemented that the receiver duo that we have is the best that we've had in our team's history. Um, the way Smitty's footwork is looking, I see him doing the ladder drills and catching some passes. Oh. He's set to improve. Um, like we said on the previous episode, it's Pro Bowl a bust for him. Um, AJ Brown, um, you know, he's tired of people calling him slow, so he's gonna be trying to finish a, a lot of plays and take those to the house. Um even some of the other players will look good. I've seen some good things about Covey, Covey. Um, I've seen some good things about Joseph Nada, the rookie. I've seen some good things about Quez. So Receiver room looks to be fully intact, and um, I was looking at some stats, and Goddard's been the most targeted. Right. So mm-hmm. Goddard's coming, and, you know, pretty much every game we go, we go with the hot hand. It's not kind of like if you're open, Hurts is going to get it to you, but we also go with a hot hand approach. So if you're going, the Hurts is going to try to keep you going and hopefully break some records right. there. But um, think about that, man. Goddard is like a top, what I'd say he's listed on most as the top five player in his position, right? And he is almost gets lost in the afterthought of our offense. Um, and that's just crazy to me, you know, because he is, and I think, like you said, I mean, he's been most targeted throughout camp. I mean, I think there is just something to be said about when you have a live or reliable tight end. Uh, that you can go to now. Of course, you can overgo to him, a la Carson Wentz, Tony Romo, maybe a few other uh, quarterbacks we can name out there. But, you know, think about that, man. Uh, Goddard being, I mean, technically, what you, you would call him, what, the third option in this offense, I would say. So imagine a top five player being the third option in the offense, you know, and then you got a top 10 receiver who's the number two option. And then another top 10 receiver who is, of course, your one option. That, that's just crazy, man. Most teams have like one or two of those players. We've got one at every position and a couple at, at one. Yeah. And um, something that we haven't done a lot in the past is kind of throw to the running back. But I foresee, of course, with Swift and Kenny G back there, <clears throat> um, Hurts is going to be feeling a lot more comfortable of dumping the ball off. Don't get me wrong. Um, Booby had some moments uh, as a receiving back, especially his rookie year. But Mm -hmm. it kind of regressed after his rookie year, and he caught less. It was less receiving yards and things like that. He dropped more. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, he just – and I wish him absolutely well, and he was one of my favorite players, one of my favorite draft picks of all time for the Eagles. Uh, just being where he came out of and, and the energy and passion he showed and just how even through that coaching change, you know, you didn't you didn't hear much negative about him personality wise. The negative stuff that came out on Booby was, of course, before last year, can he hang on to the ball? That kind of started rearing its head again at the at the end of the season, um, you know, but I mean, literally he had what, like one fumble all year last year, I think that got recorded as far as regular season goes. Um, so he showed up a lot, uh, but he just, he didn't, uh, that was one thing we lacked. And that was where you would see, uh, Boston Scott get in more. And even Kenny Gainwell, I thought started to improve more in there, but it almost became a notice that if, um, 
and Miles wasn't in our backfield, that there was a chance that, you know, that we weren't going to, you know, we weren't throwing to him if he was in the game, basically. And most teams knew that and could pick up on that. And I think you will see that be different. Even from what I heard, even Penny has um, not as, as you know, he's a bruiser back. He's not somebody you think about sending out in passes, but they've had him out doing drills and he's even opened a couple of people's eyes with his ability. And that's a big thing coming out of our running backs room right now is that they're doing very, very well. And Swift obviously um, is almost getting the elite status there. You know, you got to pump the brakes on that but that they're amazed at how good of a pass catcher he is. He's basically like another wide receiver coming out of the backfield. And that just makes an even potent offense more potent. It just gives you another wrinkle, another ripple, another something to think about. And we've all seen Swift when he can stay healthy. He has that explosive potential. I mean, we saw him in the game against us score, what, two, three, three touchdowns against us. So, you know, we know he's got it. It's just, can he stay healthy? And that's, that's the only thing that worries me about our running back room is we have two running backs who it seems like we're going to depend on a lot for this year that have that issue of they're when they're healthy, they're great. They're uh, top 20 running backs in the league, but when they're not, you know, they're no use. They, they spend a lot of seasons on the injured list and, you know, we don't want to see, you know how injuries can derail a season. Of course, running backs are not viewed as an important position anymore. Check out our last podcast. We spoke about that exclusively. Um, you know, but it's just one of those things, man. You know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yes, sir. For all the fans that don't know, um, I might actually mess up the weeks here. But week seven, I know, is the Dolphins game. We'll be wearing Kelly Green. Um, and when is the – what is it, the – Bills game, I said. Yeah. Uh no. Yes. Yes. I think no. Hold on. I have to look. I think you might be right. I think it is the Bills and the I'd have to go pull it up. But yeah, I believe you're right. Because they're both home games, obviously. Um and the one's early in the year, one's October, so it's not too far into the season. Yeah. And then um seven. And then when we play the Bills, yep. I think that might be the very start or like the meat of that grind part. That if all of those teams are as good as advertised, that's going to be a rough stretch of games for us. Oh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> I hope uh, Jalen Ramsey is back for that game week seven. Um, just because I kind of, I really do want to see the Dolphins at full strength. That's just an interesting to go against. Um, right. Because I for sure don't I, – I wouldn't want to leave Eli Apple out there covering anyone at all. Um, <laughs> I, if they're playing us, I'd love to see Eli Apple all day long. But, yeah, no, of course, we don't want them to have that excuse. It would be great to see. I mean, that that's a star-studded game right there. I mean, think about that. you got Waddle. you got Tyreek. Uh, you've got, obviously, Tua. Um and I know what they added somebody in the running or no, they're they're trying to. I forgot they're potentially trying to add Dalvin Cook. I think they still have Raheem Mozart. Um, you know they have weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you know they they've got um, plenty of weapons over there. I know they've got great cornerbacks. Um, I think did they they didn't add um, what's his face from the Bills? Did they? That might be who signed him. Who signed Micah Hyde? Uh, I would have to look that up. 
I know they did draft a running back, um, a smaller they've guy. They've got Jalen. They've got Xavier. Or I, I'm, I'm forget. I know I'm butchering his name because I don't have it in front, and it's bad because he's like one of the top corners in the league. I should know that, like on the tip of my tongue. But, um, you know, they've got two great corners. They have. They're kind of built in a lot of ways, like we are. Now I can't remember who they have that the tight end, but I think they got rid of Gesicki or whoever it was that they had last year. I'm pretty sure they've changed up at that spot as well. They got um, uh, Xavier. Howard, Byron Jones. Thank you, Xavier Howard, not Xavier. Yeah. So, yeah, they got some good people out there. Um, they drafted the running back out of Texas A&M. Um, smaller guy, 5'9", 185, um, Texas A&M, Devon Ashane. Um, he's a smaller guy. I definitely expect he's not going to be a three-down back. Um, he's incredibly too small. Um, but definitely plan to see him split out wide, catch some passes out of the backfield, stretching the defense and things like that. Um, to sort of glean back on, <laughs> excuse me, yesterday, Kelly Green Day. Did you think I was lying when I told you I was going to call the team stores? No, I no, I knew. I just I laughed and I was like, my guy is ready for the. He's he's is dedicated. It's nice to know that there's somebody outside of Philly that is as dedicated to the Eagles as I am. Uh, you know, I checked out, shout out to our boy Sean Gurton. I checked with him, and I mean, he had heard about all the commotion, but I guess his son's already gotten him a Randall Green or Randall Cunningham Kelly Green jersey, so he's got his Kelly Green kind of before all this came out. Um, so you know, like we've talked about, hell, I've done bought new shoes. Uh, I've got the Kelly Green hat already that I had last year. I've got the jacket that I had last year. So it almost increased my uh, Infinity Link collection. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I'm going to collect my fifth Infinity Link stone uh, when this jersey arrives here in a few short days. So, um, man, that that was crazy. And, I mean, I feel like we didn't do enough justice to it. We got to speak on that a little bit. There were thousands. And you guys got to realize there was three different locations. Um, that these jerseys were sold at as far as in Pennsylvania goes. Three yeah. different pro stores, uh, and they all had thousands of people ready there to buy the jerseys. Uh, another one of the guys uh, that does a lot of Philly promotion, MW Wright Productions, uh, dude that does Eagles, bitch. Uh, he's hilarious, man. Check him out if you haven't heard him before. Uh, but, yeah, man, he even went out there. And he did a big old, I'll have to say, I meant to send you the video. He did a big old nope. Like he got out there. I think he went to the actual stadium and he got out there and he was like, he looked at the line and he was like, man, I got shit to do today. He was like, there's no way I'm standing here. He's like, these people are going to be here for five, six hours to get a Kelly Green jersey. And that's, I mean, they were tailgating, dude. The first people were arriving there. I think the first guy that got the pole position said he got there at 325 in the morning. Uh, just to get a Kelly Green Eagles jersey. And, I mean, this wasn't on a Saturday or a Friday, which is normally a day people can get out of work or anything. like that. This was on a Monday morning, man. <laughs> you know, like, just just wild how it, how it came out and how many people showed out. And the online sales obviously went crazy. So, I mean, you had just – I mean, Hertz is the number one selling jersey in the NFL. Uh and, and it's not just his jersey, period. It's the Kelly Green Hurts jersey. Quickly became the number one selling jersey in the NFL. So shout out to Eagles fans, man. We're everywhere. We're deep. 
We love our squad. Uh, and it also shows, man, there's a lot of people out there that really dig and vibe with what Jalen Hurts is and what he's all about and, you know, where he comes from and his work ethic and just how he believes and always putting the work in and, you know, just all the – what he's probably got about 15 quotes that he could trademark by now. He needs to go on and trademark that rent to do unless he took it from somebody else because you hear so many people using that one now. Um, you know, but just a, a great, great show out for, for the city of Philadelphia and our fan base and, and the Philadelphia Eagles organization, man. Shout out to Eagles fans everywhere. Uh, want to ask you a quick question though before I shut myself up. <laughs> uh, did you see Quez Watkins' comments that he made? I think it might have been today uh, that he made these comments. He says he is elite. He's elite. Um, I love the I love the energy. Now, Quez, I'm gonna tell you the same thing I said when Dak Prescott came out and said ten interceptions or less. You gonna have to show me, man. I mean, I like you. I, I back you. I, I truly believe you can be an elite receiver. Um, and I like that you say and you have that mentality that you are. So, man, go out and ball out this year. Uh, you add – I mean, you really unlock our offense if you get going. And now teams have to start worrying about you as well, you know, and have to keep a safety deep because they're afraid you're going to burn. And if you use those hands you've been having, I know you can make those contested grabs over the middle. Uh, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt because it was Minshew, different style quarterback, Paul comes out differently, whatever. But you know better than some of the balls that you lost and dropped last year, man. So I love the talk, but hey, man, now that you put that target on yourself and, and you doubled down, I, I seen the the tweet you made when everybody started talking about it and you talked about you said you said what you said. So show me, man. <laughs> I, I'm ready because I'd be all for it, Quinn. Yeah. Um, after the last episode, there is something I wanted to leave us with, but um, actually, last episode was one of our shorter episodes, and we jam packed a lot of stuff in there. Um, Man, just for all the listeners, like <laughs> yeah, just for all the listeners, we didn't do no notes. There's not going to be any wowing numbers or any back crazy backstories this episode. This is all going off the whim. The only thing that we actually even plan to talk about. Um, was Drew? I'm actually gonna kick us to you first. Okay. Who do you think is the offensive X factor for this team heading into the season? And you can literally choose anyone that you want. You can choose yourself if you like. Oh, so it's so there's a lot of options to choose from. You could obviously go with right guard. That's gonna be a big X factor for us this season. But um. What I re- I mean, we've talked about a couple guys uh, recently. You know, Dallas Goddard's option. Quez is an option for X-Factor. Uh, you have Swift in the backfield. And now what I believe is, you know, people have their own definition of X-Factor. But what I, I feel is the definition of the X-Factor is the player who is not the star player. So you can't go to Jalen. You can't go to AJ or Devontae. Uh, it's hard to go to Dallas because of his recognition. You can't go to Kelsey or Lane. Uh, you know, because they're all in their stars. It's somebody who is not expected to put up and make sure that the team wins the game. So I'm going to have to go with Quez. I feel like, like I just said, like he is the X factor, man. If he can open himself up as a consistent threat, I mean, dude, it's too good. It's going to make 10. 
And think about that. We're technically – our offense has normally been a predicated offense. I think that is a big change you will see this year. I think you started to see Nick try to do it more last year. But I think you're going to see a lot more passing in this offense. Now, I think what they'll do is they'll throw to get the lead. They'll use the explosive and big plays to get ahead. They'll mix the run in, of course, to keep the defense honest. But you'll see more of the running coming once we have our lead. You know, once we've got up a couple scores and now we get the ball back after a defensive stop and we're trying to eat up some clock on our next drive. Uh, but I really see the offense opening up from that perspective this year. So if Quez can can do what I know he's capable of and what he's out there saying he's capable of, he'll absolutely be the X factor for this offense this year. What you got for us? I'm going to come out of left field. This guy is a rookie at his position, actually. Um, he isn't a player. It's the newly appointed offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. Okay. He has some big shoes to fill. Um, in 2021, when Nick Sirianni first gave up play calling duties to uh, Shane Steichen, we went from run heavy um, and we built a more efficient offense at that time, which I felt like pushed us into the playoffs. Steichen um, mm-hmm. also helped uh, develop Hurts as a passer. And, of course, the offense hit even higher heights. Um, Brian Johnson's no stranger to the room. Um, he's been close to Jalen for a very long time. Um, he was the quarterback's coach. He played college, of course, at the collegiate level at Utah, even graced the cover of NCAA football once upon a time. Um, he's definitely played a significant role in Hurst's development, but now he's the first time coordinator and a play caller. So that's going to be a different wrinkle. So if everything hits the ground running, um, everything's going to run smoothly. But if not, there's going to be some kinks to work out with Sirianni possibly want to go back to play calling duties. Right. I think or trying to take over during the game. That's what worries me a little bit is, I don't you know, think it, he wants to. I think he has right. faith in the guy. Sirianni just wants to manage the team and let every coordinator do their job. He doesn't want to micromanage anyone Everyone he hired. I think he found out last year he really loves that. I mean, look at how much his personality came out last year on the field yeah, uh, just during games. And that's because, I mean, now think about that. When you're a coordinator, you don't have time to shake your face at the camera when you make a big play or things like that. You've got to get on immediately to the next play. Uh, You know, you start with the next probabilities and statistics and all the things that those guys go through. I really like that pick. Um, another popular one could be Sean Desai. Um, but, and uh, like I said, if there was a perfect guy to interview for Philly, uh, he would definitely be it because he says everything about our defense that just embodies what, what we've always wanted to see. If he truly brings what he says, we will have, I'm going to go out on a limb here. We will have the best defense we've had since Jim Johnson. If he brings the type of defense he says he's wanting to bring. With that hits you in the mouth, your quarterback is constantly confused and looking where the blitz is coming from and, and who's dropping back. And, and you know, so there's a lot that he's talking about. And then you're afraid, you know, that the, the one thing those defenses do that we did not do consistently last year, that it was our Achilles heel for much of the season, was stop the run. Those defenses, that's the first thing they take away from you, especially in the Jim Johnson days. Think about that. That's how we used to beat you. We took away the run. You weren't running the ball on us. And then when you tried to throw, we had corners back there 
all pro corners ready to eat you up. Same situation we have now. Get that run in the mouth. I know it's a little bit different of a game now. They don't run as much as they used to. The run is used a little more to set up the pass more than anything. But that's you cut that head of the snake off first because one thing that can keep bad teams in a football game is being able to run the football. And you saw that time and time again last year with bad teams staying in the game with us because we couldn't stop them from running. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> a little more tidbits back into Brian Johnson. We've spoke about this previously, but he's no stranger to being an offensive coordinator. He just hasn't done it at the pro level. At Utah, he was offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. At Mississippi State, he helped push Dax to earning all SEC honors where he was a quarterbacks coach. Um, he was an offensive coordinator at Houston and also a quarterbacks coach there. And also, he was an offensive coordinator. Wait. Yeah, he was a quarterbacks coach, and then he was promoted to offensive coordinator at Florida. where he Yeah, helped- I was going to say, I knew he was at Florida. Yeah, and two guys that came from there out of that particular system, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts, who's now in the NFL. Kyle Pitts is more widely known. Um, Some people hate him for last year's fantasy output. It is what it is. (laughs) But he's an amazing talent nonetheless and one of the top. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, think about who – I mean, come on, guys. We know how it goes. You can be mad at Kyle Pitts all you want, but look at the team he's playing on. They're expected to be pretty improved this year. I'm interested. Uh, I think we both have a friend we know that the pretty big fan of him. I was talking to him the other day, and you know, he said he expected maybe fringe playoffs this year. He's got plenty high hopes for the Falcons. I told him slow your roll a little bit, man. Your offensive line's still leaking, but he brought up some good points to me. They still had some good rushing numbers, even behind the poor offensive line last year. They've added some nice pieces, so we'll see how much improved they are. But of course, this is not the Falcons podcast. This is the Infinity Link podcast, where we're all about the Eagles. So. Let's get back at it. Hold on. I'm going to flip it. Uh, Kyle Pitts, if you happen to come across these airwaves, at the end of your rookie year, test free agency. He was born right in Philadelphia. We'd we'd love to have you eventually. We got guys right now. We'd love to add you eventually on down the line. So We love 12 personnel, man. We love 12 personnel. And uh, wouldn't that be sweeter? And the only bad thing is, you know, there's no way that we could pay those two. They'll both be – Goddard's ready for his money. That's that's another discussion for the offseason, um, you know. And that's that's one of the things, and I'm sure we'll go into this as a topic on the next show. <laughs> but, you know, how do you feel about this statement, man? This is almost like a – it feels – I'm getting the feeling like it's like a last dance type of year. Uh, obviously not for our players who are going to be – uh, who are younger and are slated to be here and be faces of franchise for a while. We do have a core four that besides one of them, I could really see all of them that, especially if we do what we're all hoping we do this year, I could see them all hanging them up. So do you see this as a last dance? I mean, we got older corners who aren't, you know, three years from now, I doubt both of them are still here. Um, you know, what do you think? Last dance? I do, but um... – with some of the guys that we have, especially the guys that have been here pretty much since the beginning of their careers, um, such as, let's say Fletch, I, I definitely see him joining the coaching ranks eventually. Uh, yeah. Brandon Graham, for sure. He's he's He has the makings to be an amazing coach. Whether it's a positional coach, I think. I hope he stays with the organization when he's going to be one of the guys that you'll miss the most. He's always got a smile. He's funny as hell. 
Um, and then you know, on on game days, he's an animal. <laughs> you know, he's 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 kept us laughing for I mean, what fifteen years now, basically. Uh, <laughs> you know, with with all he's saying to these offensive linemen and and running backs and quarterbacks. So I sure hope we keep him around. Yeah. Um. So some guys. Um. Cornerback room, not so sure about that. I'd love to keep everyone around. But obviously, as we've seen going into this past offseason, you just can't afford to keep everyone, especially when people kind of outperform their contracts, which I'm also going to segue into this next topic. Um, some dumbass reporter asked Hassan Reddick what he thinks about his contract um, today. And, <laughs> of course, he's ranked, I think, 24th as far as, like, edge rushers. Mm-hmm. And, of course... Um, including the playoffs, he had the most sacks last year. Regular season, right. Nick Bosa finished on top, um, and Reddick was third. But playoff stats included Reddick finished with the most sacks. So I know he pr- he's proven he's elite, um, right? And I'm pretty sure how he's going to have to figure out something, especially if he's going to want to keep that guy around um, to redo something with his contract, open up. Um, and just rework his contract because that's a guy I certainly want to keep. Um, Temple changes our defense, man. Yeah, changes Temple. our defense last year. Temple guy, the speed's amazing. Um, he can stay around and teach the edge rushers. Um, most importantly, Nolan Smith, like some of the nuances of the game that you just learn through reps, such as like how Fletcher Cox is uh showing like the younger guys, such as the rookie out of the seventh round. Um, I hate to butcher his last name. I want to say his last name is Ojoro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's close at least. Th- they've also he's got been- a couple sacks. Yeah, from what I've heard, he's he's doing pretty well. He's impressing so far in camp. Yeah. Uh, and they've been kind of giving him hell in training camp. I've seen. Of course, the rookies they go through. Some- oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. So uh. In the D-line room, um, he's in charge of getting the water and the snacks for all the other players. And um, he mentioned how the water is on the complete opposite of the weight room <laughs> from where they are. <laughs> Remembering all the vets' uh, snacks. He was like, uh, people want the watermelon sour patches. He was like, I learned about rap snacks for the first time. <laughs> he was like, I didn't know what these were. <laughs> so, just going through things like that. Um Oh, uh, something random I want to bring. This actually just popped in my mind. Um, when Goddard and I want to say Goddard and Avante Maddox, they was a part of that same draft class, 2018, I believe. Yeah. Um, no. they were roommates for the longest. Longest, so, yeah, up until last year, I believe. Yeah. Do you see any like of these uh Philly Bulldogs guys kind of moving in with each other, kind of establishing a compound in Philly or something? <laughs> Who's so I've heard. I've. <laughs> heard there is a philly dogs group chat and now you got to realize like uh swift is part of that there's more than just the players we brought in um as far as draft wise recently swift and i think there's like one or two more that are on our roster that are georgia alums um and it's said that they have a little group chat going and that it's pretty hilarious um they've also noted uh many times about how coachable Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis are being this year and how much they're taking in. Uh, there was talk recently about – so Jordan Davis, there was a lot of talk in the offseason that he shed weight or that he looked like he was thinner. Well, 
Jordan Davis clarified that for us the other day. He is still 340, 345, which is what he was last year. He is just leaner because he is eating different. He is training different. Uh, he is learning basically how to be in the NFL. So basically, his body fat is less, but he's still just as effing strong as he was before. So instead of him, you're, it's more likely that instead of him getting winded and needed to be taken out after a couple of plays, which was a big knock on him last year, you know, if he had played more than two, three plays in a row, you had to get him out because he couldn't he'd get knocked off the ball very easily. So to see that it, you know, there's two things that a guy, young guy does in the NFL when he comes in and gets all this money. Uh, let's not be naive. Of course, they were getting a little money in college, but it's on a different level now. You're being paid. You're under contract, things like that. And some guys do two two different things. They either let that motivate them to become one of the best players at their position or, you know, a good player, or they get caught up in, you know, the lifestyle and blah, 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 blah. And they think they've made it and arrived and they don't work nearly as hard. And it comes out and it shows out on the field. Well, I think as you're seeing this leadership core within the Eagles, you know, and that goes from uh, BG and Fletch on the defense to Slay and James. And, you know, they say James is more of a quiet guy, but they did say he does establish himself as a leader on the defense. One of the few, and that worries me, we'll probably talk about this here in a minute, uh, one of the few worry points out of the offseason has been that you don't hear much great about the linebackers, but one of the few good things that I have heard about Nakobe this offseason is that he has really done a good job of taking charge in the defense and getting that plays called out. I mean, think about everything that that linebacker position is responsible for. You're basically like a quarterback on the field out there, and they said he is doing very well at that. Um, the other reports on the linebacker position haven't been that great. Maybe we'll be hoping to see a move made. And there keeps being uh, – I don't know how much you've seen it, my guy, but there's a lot of rumblings out there too that that we, we've been pretty active in talks lately, and I don't know if it's been designated that's with free agents. Oh, Drew, or before you dive yeah. into that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back at you with part two. We're going to dive into some things. We're going to talk a little shit about Jerry Jones and a guy who also wants to kill the Cowboys on our team. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with you all. Hang in there, guys. Hey, man, what's up? What's happening? You already know who it is and what it is. It's your boy, Nephew Q, but I need everybody listening to the sound of my voice to do me a favor one time for the one time. Make sure you go like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channels, KY Beyond the Game, Conversations with Q, and Spoken Minds. But if you can't sit down and watch us on YouTube, don't worry, we got you covered. Make sure you download the podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms because Underneath the Beyond the Game umbrella, we got a show for everybody. If you want to know what's going on in society, culture, entertainment, sports, and everything in between, check out the Conversations with Q podcast. If you're a North Carolina fan, my dude Don J got you covered with the Hills Have Eyes podcast about all things North Carolina basketball related. If you're struggling in your relationship, want some relationship advice, or you just want to hear some daily talk about things going on in society, check out our He Said, She Said podcast. Fantasy football owners, hey, we got a podcast for you too with our We So KY Fantasy Football podcast that keeps you up to date with the best 
fantasy football league in America. Well, not just America, the world, and also keeps you up to date with what's going on in the fantasy football world. Hey, if you want to show about entertainment and sports, we got you covered with the Spoken Minds podcast hosted by Chris Jones and Ike Byrne talking about sports and entertainment in a way that you've never, ever heard before. But hey, we got you covered on the NFL tip as our guys Don J and Drew hit you up with the Infinity Link podcast, a show about all things Philadelphia Eagles related. BBN, we ain't left you out either. We got the I Rock UK Blue podcast hosted by Bravo and Rich the Bull that keeps you up to date with all things going on with UK basketball related. If you're an NBA fan, don't worry. We got you covered with the Fast Break podcast as my guy KJ and myself keep you up to date talking about is LeBron going to retire? What's Victor? the women y'all don't do and will zion Williamson ever play for the new Orleans pelicans but hey all this you can check out make sure you download all the podcasts underneath the beyond the game umbrella we got more shows coming in the future so keep it locked and let's get back to the show yeah what's going on guys we're back it's infinity league podcast with part two of our like we said we can't even remember 15th 16th maybe 12th 13th in those edition of our off season uh but we're gonna kick it back off with you Got some interesting topics. What are we going to do with first, boss, man? Um, I was looking, and this guy always rubs me the wrong damn way. Um, Jerry Jones was talking some shit about the NFC East. <laughs> um, quote, unquote, out of Jerry Jones' mouth, of course. That's why I say, quote, unquote, guys, follow along. Um, I will say that Philadelphia, and if you will, the Giants – and Washington team. He didn't even call them the commanders. He just called them the Washington team. They need to be on their game because we are. We're going to be on our game, and we will be improved over last year. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to dismiss how accomplished Philadelphia is. Um, the year that – the year that Gives us our slide little respect, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he said, uh, and the Giants definitely have a chance to be better, and Washington could be really energized – so don't need to hang it. He crapped all over Washington, though, didn't he? Hey, I can't even be as bad as I would read that if I was a Commanders fan. Or, heck, you know, that may only be their name for this year from what we've heard. So isn't that funny? <laughs> hey, that old man, hey, man, Jerry, my, my, my geriatric friend, man, you need to take your liver pills and keep the Philadelphia Eagles names out your mouth. You got plenty to worry about over there, man. You've had – Three decades worth of stuff to worry about, man. So we don't worry about us, man. We're doing just fine. We appreciate the little half slide of disrespect or respect that you gave us, but we don't need it, man. You can keep that. Just keep keep worrying about your own team and not us, man. Yeah, it was it uh boy. Worry yeah. about paying worry about paying your left guard before you worry about how good you're about to be next year. Cause you don't pay that left guard, y'all gonna be terrible. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, a little bit of rivalry trash talk. Um, Jalen Carter has came out and said that his goal, individual goal he has, is to certainly win um, defensive rookie of the year. Um, I kind of wanted to punch in something really quick. I'm trying to see if I can get it pulled up for us really quick. Uh, let me see. Let me see. This is what. The number nine pick, Jalen Carter, had to say about what he hopes to be this year and the course, the rivalry with the Cowboys. 
and from this first season, dreams and nightmares, Meek Mill type feeling, you know, what's the top, what's the top tier? What are you hoping hits? And at worst, like, come on, man, you're out here on the NFC champ. So yeah, yeah. what are you expecting out of this first year? We're ready to turn up, make a big impact to the season, to every game, and, you know, I'm ready to kill the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. everybody got beef. I'm like, well, join the wave, you know. <laughs> you think that this is the year? You guys going to step over the hump? Make it. got to be the year. I've been saying that this is the year where we got the hardest schedule, but, you know, we're ready for that. All right. We want the easy. We're ready to play. We play hard every game. We play easy games. What are you hoping? And, yeah, that's what you want to hear out of your first pick in the draft, a guy who happened to slid that, slide down the board a little bit because of some. And he's got a chip. He's got a chip on his shoulder because of it. I love it, man. Keep, you know what? NFL, you could do that every draft if you want to. Let the best defensive player in the draft fall to the Eagles because of whatever it may be. Make them hungry. Like Jason Kelsey said, hungry dogs run faster. And you can tell that dog, uh, all pun intended, is hungry. And I love it. I love everything he has to say. It, it's funny to get your little Cowboys quirks in. And if you notice, that came a couple days after Mr. Parsons' comments that he liked to make where he said they were the best team in the NFC East uh, and, and that uh, we lost Javon Hargrave, so so they're better than us because we lost Javon Hargrave. Well, I won't disrespect Javon Hargrave like we've talked about before. Uh, he was kind of detrimental in our running game. He was a, a, the numbers show out that he was a decent part of the reason we couldn't stop the run this year. So, uh, it's always good to get younger at that position and to have someone hungry that's that's ready to respond uh, to somebody who has already established himself in the league like that. I love it. Keep being you, Jalen Carter, and uh, play your ass off, man. We're ready for it. Philadelphia, love you. You play your ass off. Keep yourself out of trouble, man. Bring us a chip. You'll be a king in the city. <laughs> yes, sir. And uh... – so the merchandising team, can y'all get me a Kelly Green, Jalen Carter jersey? That was going to be my pick. Um, but uh, me and Drew both went with Jalen Hurts. Can't go wrong there. No, can't. I, 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 need, I need a Jalen Carter, Kelly Green jersey. I've I seen that y'all have some uh, of the authentic on-field ones loading on Nike. I believe uh, the picture you sent me, Drew, was uh, Jalen and AJ. I, yeah. I, I need a Jalen Carter, Kelly Green. Um, it can it can be heat press. I don't I don't care. I I, I want this guy's jersey. I, <laughs> I like his energy. And, Before long, man, they'll release it to where you can choose what it. Like you can make your own. Yeah, so basically, you'll be able to make one. But shit, and like you said, I like your little idea. I might find a number that you know ain't. Ain't being disrespectful to one of our greats and and throw that thing on with my last name on there. That'd be pretty dope. Uh, you know, hey, this podcast blows up big enough, we might be able to get the Eagles merchandise team to do that for us too. Uh, but yeah, we definitely. I know you wanted Carter. I can't lie, man. That uh, Dallas Goddard jersey. Something about that eighty-eight, man. That, that looks incredible on Kelly. That look. <laughs> that that motherfucker was looking damn sexy, and, and I looked at it for a little while, and I had to talk myself out of it. And Dallas Goddard, I love you, no disrespect to you, but I told myself that I was going to curse you, and that if I bought your jersey, that you wouldn't be on the team in a couple of years, and I'd be pissed off about it. So I had to go with the guy who 
we all expect uh, is the future of the Eagles franchise. Uh, especially it's my first Kelly Green jersey. I was too little uh, to get a Cunningham and things back then. Of course, my dad was a Cowboys fan. I've told y'all about that before. Uh, so I wasn't getting no stuff like that bought for me when I was a kid. But, you know, uh, had to. Jalen uh, embodies everything that we like about this franchise. He's the face of this franchise. Uh, and, man, like – like I said, I, I'm I'm half ready to make a bold prediction, but I'm not going to do it on a podcast, man. But I feel real good, uh, especially with what comes out early. And I think maybe I'm just excited because I told you I took that long off of football. But I, I just feel it, man. I feel a special year. I felt it last year, too, at the very beginning. Uh, and I think I mentioned it to you then. Like, I'm getting that special feeling already, bro. And I know it's way too early to have that, but uh, – Getting a little confident enough that I might go on the Vegas sports book. Um, and I can't tell you, I can't lie, man. What pushed it over is what we discussed earlier is that lock screen. Like, I feel like that boy is ready to tear this league up. Uh, and there is a lot of talk about him being a fringe top five quarterback, blah, blah, blah. I think he's using that too. Uh, I'm not comparing him as far as skill wise to Michael Jordan. But I think they both come from that same mentality of they take stuff very personally, especially failure. He is taking that Super Bowl loss very personally. And, and with think, the squad that we have. Yeah, and I think What's that he's giving them like more fuel because recently. Yeah, uh, they've been real disrespectful to him lately, dude, to the point where like I've kind of. I've gotten into a few little barbs with people back and forth, you know, and of course I got my friends that love to throw their jabs about Jalen anyway, but like, I can't wait. And I, I told him the other day, like I told him last year, I said, he's going to shut you up. And and now it, it's, they, he ain't shut him up. You know how the haters go. They find something different to barb at. So now they're barbing about the last throw in the Super Bowl and his arm strength and still trying to throw the noodle arm strength. Man, I'm so ready because I think he hears all of it. Hey, I'm uh, glad you actually brought that up. That short pass, either wait, it was either he stepped on a lineman's foot or a lineman stepped on his foot, which he caused slipped to it. Which that weak ass turf? <laughs> it, it, I've seen, I've seen the photo like th- I've, I've, se- I've watched it now three times, and I'll have to go find it and show it to you, dog. They have the perfect angle. It's the behind one where you can see like. So, yeah, he steps funny on his front foot, like you said. He steps on something, but when he goes to plant that back one because his front one wasn't right, his back slips out a little bit when he makes the throw. Just I mean, it's slight. It's almost enough that you could be like, oh, yeah, right. But you can tell, and if you've ever slipped playing in cleats before, you know what it feels like, and you see it. And you see he just starts shaking his head. He knew it when he threw it. He's like, damn it. Uh, and it is what it is, man. Like I said, that's – that was his last throw in an NFL game. Um, I can't wait to see his next one. Yeah. Recently, there was a tier list of quarterbacks that came out uh, that was voted on by the NFL coaches and executives. Uh, tier one, uh, leading the pack, we got Patrick Mahomes at number one. You got Joe Burrow, number two, Josh Allen, three, Aaron Rodgers, four, and Justin Herbert at five to round out tier one. Tier two, Jalen Hurts at six, Lamar Jackson at seven, uh, T-Law, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, <clears throat> Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson, and Kirk Cousins. 
So, Mr. Hertz, Jalen Hertz, that is, we would love to get you on the show. Eventually, I am going to start harassing you on Twitter too. Oh, bro, get you on. Bro, I you wouldn't be able to have me in here, dog. I'd have a heart attack for real. Like if he had ever agreed, and I know the likelihood of that is like snowball's chance in hell. But oh my god, bro, like. <laughs> I'm gonna start. I'll, I'll be damn near 40 years old in November. I'll be 38 years old in November, and I would literally like fangirl way too bad to even be able to be on the conversation. Man, he'd be like, "Get this dude out of here! I can't talk to you." Yeah. I'd be like, "Jalen, I, I believed in you the whole time. I'm gonna love you." <laughs> oh man! Oh man! So Jalen, if this comes across your sound waves. Brian, Coach Brian Johnson, if this happens to come across your sound waves, executives and coaches believe there are five quarterbacks better than Jalen Hurts. Two, I will wholeheartedly put ahead of them, which is Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. The, rest of them, their career. <laughs> uh-uh. the rest of them. The rest of And I feel like, I'm not even going to lie, I feel like they was disrespectful to Lamar, too, just because he was hurt. Like, they put somebody that missed just as much time as him last year and had worse numbers ahead of him. How do you do that? You know, oh, because he missed the the end of the season, so it's what you remember the most, so you're going to bump him down. You know, it just shows, you know. And, and what's sad about that is that is the NFL executives and what owners, right? Yeah. Uh, no, there was coaches and executives. I'm not sure if owners was included in there. Uh, possibly, but yeah. Um, and Philadelphia Eagles podcast again, but uh, birds of a like feather, I should say, flock together. Um, Lamar Jackson has won seventy percent of his game, so he's a certified. Come on, man! Come on, man! Ex, the disrespect that guy gets is unreal. I would say that is like. And Jalen, you've already surpassed what people want him to do, but I just want to see how quickly they'll forget about, you know, I mean, just a few years ago, Lamar was the MVP. People were rating him next to Tom Brady as the number two quarterback in the NFL and the heir apparent, like right before Pat Mahomes went on his little tear. So how quickly, man, they'll forget about you. So remember that, Jalen. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen Carter, take it easy on the offensive lineman. Iron sharpens iron, but hey, those yeah, are teammates here. You can't kill them in practice, bro. <laughs> right. We got to have them for the season, big dog. Do what you got to do. But, uh, you know, and I feel now I, I'll be interested. Obviously, it's the very start. We're four practices in. But, you know, one of the things, Sirion, that seems to be different about this year than last year, and I just, it, it worries me a slight bit. Only from if the veterans don't go along with it standpoint. But it seems like the practices have been more intense uh, to start this training camp than they were last year. Last year, Sirianni was still that likable guy, you know, getting the respect of his team um, and its leaders. And this year, he seems, I mean, if any of y'all have seen the clips, there's multiple out there of him just cussing them out and <laughs> just going off. Like, it, you know, he's, He's gotten to that standard. He's gotten that taste of winning. He's like Jalen Hurts in that aspect of where – and it's how great to have a coach and a, a quarterback who are on the same page with that, with where they've gotten that taste of the Super Bowl. 
and they don't like the taste that they got left in their mouth. So they're going to make sure that they tighten up ship and do everything they can to get there. And, and, you know, every mistake and what I love the most, uh, and I don't know if you've seen it, Don, but he came out recently when asked about it, you know, cause that's all everybody wants to talk about with us right now is the Super Bowl. And you got to realize we are in four, day, day four of training camp. Um, so, and, and that's what he said. He said, this is about the next day. Every and so his focus is obviously in the right place. He's not obviously the goal is to get back to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl this year, but he knows to do that and to get there, you got to get through day five of training camp next. You know, so I do love to see that it seems like, at least as far as from a media standpoint, the right things are being said. They're not giving out billboard material like we just spoke on with Jerry Jones, where they're talking about other teams. Um, the most that's been said lately is I don't know if you've seen this, and if we did talk about it in another pod, AJ Brown's still obviously upset with the holding call um, that was made in the Super Bowl. He mentioned that recently on a podcast he was doing. And shout out AJ if you ever want to come on ours, man, we'd love to have you on this one too. Oh, uh, I seen I forget what I seen on Twitter. He was working out with a DB. Or it was just like, uh, I think the podcast that you're mentioning, the dude was just trying to guard him. He was like, is that mm-hmm. holding? He was like, yeah. Uh, he was like, yeah, they don't call that. Uh, they never call that um, unless it was Except Super, the Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> yep. yep. You can see he's still mad about that. And, I mean, dude, I, I we went over it. We discussed it on this podcast. It's a new season. It's definitely time to move on from it. But I'm still, man, you say what you want. I'm still salty about that call. I feel like that is not a call you make in that situation, in that game, because it was not egregious, man. Was it the right call to make? I won't argue with you after seeing enough film. Yes. Is that a call you make at that position in the game? I will stand on my casket screaming, that holding call was bullshit. Um, And that's just how I feel, man. So you don't make that call in that situation. Was it the right call? Yes. That's why I'm not going to continue crying about it. But like I said, I say on my deathbed, you can have me with Alzheimer's uh, and dementia and no shot slot to anybody who did, but shit, I will remember till the day I die that damn holding call. Yeah, man. Um, and to the NFL, um, I think two things that need to be reviewed. The way we pay running backs because those guys are warriors across all NFL teams. We need to figure out their pay scale. Just a little tidbit there. Not going to harp too much on it. Right. Second, we need to start hosting this biggest game of the year where numerous sponsor pays millions upon millions of dollars for commercial slots and things like that, uh, which actually commercials have kind of gotten worse. We need to pick back up on that, too. Um, But start playing these games back on real grass because the season before – Unfortunately, we seen Odell. He tore his ACL in that game. Um, mm-hmm. Players were slipping in that game. Probably not as bad as the Eagles-Chiefs game. But on both sides Don't of the ball, had to deal with it. But it really took away what was the focal point of our team, which was the pass rush. All year, people feared going against our pass rush, the rotation. You know who Peter King uh, is, don't you? Huh? You know who Peter King is, don't you? Yeah. The dude, NFL Films dude that's done it for – have you seen – he may have just said this today. Did you see what he said? No, I didn't. Fill me in. 
He said, had that field not been in that condition, we would likely be talking about the Philadelphia Eagles as world champion, trying to repeat this year. And that's that's from a dude who has put together film of the NFL for what, bro? Like 40 years? 30, well, not 40 been years. alive for sure. Right, right. That man has been doing his job longer than we have both been alive. And I, like just as said earlier, will be 38 in November. So <laughs> the proof is there, man. I don't have to keep talking about it. Of course, the more we keep talking about it, harping about it, everybody else wants to say, oh, big babies. And, you know, the Chiefs fans are the first ones to say we had to play on that field too. Yes, you did. But your pass rush wasn't elite. Your offensive line, that while they were improved and they were a good offensive line, they weren't that good. And I'm I'm not going to front you. They're not anything compared to ours. And with the depth and everything of our pass rush, I mean, dude, you saw plenty of plays. There's plenty of them out there where you you look at the play, you look at the breakdown of how the play starts, and you you screenshot it real quick of like the first maybe two seconds after the snap. Yeah, it, Hassan in multiple clips. Uh, I think even Jordan Davis was in a clip or two of where they had clearly beaten the offensive linemen and should have went in to hit Mahomes and slipped. Yep. And I'm sure you've seen them. They're all over Twitter. What do you – how do you think this play ends? A, sack, B, this, you know, C, D, D, whatever. And they all are plays that we slipped and fell on. Come on, man. We, you know, and then what was more disrespectful than anything and and really kind of jarred it all up for me – was when the NFL tried to come out and say that it was the players' fault for not listening to the cleats they were advised to wear. Are you kidding me? A player that don't even play for us and has had nothing good to say about us in the offseason even admitted he wore four different pairs. And he yeah. even said, had that field been different, we would have won that game. And as Philadelphia Eagles fans worldwide, one thing we're going to do, whether it's ourselves – a player on the team, a coach, we're going to hold you accountable. Uh, Mr. Carson right. not being a leader in the locker room, several reports on that. Um, coaches in the past, like um, players in the past, like if you're not doing what you need to do, we're going to call you out. Fan, fan favorite, leader of the team, um, highest contract, whatever. If we see you're not doing what the fuck you're supposed to be doing, we're calling you out on it. Absolutely. <laughs> we're realists. That, that's, that's, that's why if you're a prima donna, you don't work in our fan base. And that may be, you know, and I hate to uh, joke about it and give him any more time as an eagle than, than we've given him on this podcast. But, you know, like it reminds me of, you know, the movie Draft Day where, uh, Costner's looking all over for what's wrong with this kid and why is he number one but you know so many teams seem to be shy on him and then they find out uh, a la Carson Wentz that their teammates really don't job with this guy they don't take to him they don't like he's not really he's not what they would consider a leader of men and I'm sorry but if that is yeah I think I think we've seen how much the team thought of him when we faced the uh, commanders. Beat the snot, dude! I know you've seen that post. It took me all I could. That was part one of the hurt disrespect today that really caused that little outburst I just had a few minutes ago about him. But you know, like, dude, 
come on, man. The proof is in the pudding. There are still people, by the way, guys, beyond the game group. If you're not in there, definitely join. There's lots of good sports conversation every day in there. Uh, and today there was a conversation from a red, or I'm sorry, a commander's fan, which y'all are renting that name for a year. I'm just going to remind you again of that. We'll see what you are next year. Um, but that Washington team, as that dude from Dallas so proclaimed them, um, <laughs> you know, uh, um, he, he put out in the post today, and I'm sorry, it, it just had to, I'm still irritated about it. Put out there that the only reason that Jalen Hurts is getting the elite tag or being considered amongst the elite quarterbacks in the game right now is because of our defense. And he posted and he tagged all the sacks that our defense has put out this year. And, of course, it's been well noted. We had four guys, I think we may have even approached five, that had double-digit sacks. Some of them had, like, four. 16. You know, we had we had dudes that had big sack numbers, and he was basically saying that is why we were so great. Um, and, and, you know, and I seen I saw your comment, and it's what made me decide not to say more than I did. Because you just brought up a fact to him, like, yeah, our defense was pretty good, but uh, they also got a lot of those sacks that you saw because we were playing with leads. We were dominating teams, especially at the earlier part of the season when we were fully healthy. You know, we had teams that literally had to drop back 40 and 50 times a game because they were down 21 points within the first quarter, or I'm sorry, before halftime. They'd go into halftime down 21-3. You know, so what do you do in the second half? Are you really going to institute your run game? Or do you think we're going to get a chance to pin our ears and get after your quarterback? Now, that's no slight to our guys on defense. We got hell – it's well documented on this podcast how we feel about our defensive line. But to say that he is only being considered amongst the elite because of them is completely disrespectful when you look at what we did without him. And no slouch to our defense that Dallas – as much as it pains me to say anything good about them, has a good offense. They've had good offense in the top 10 offense for five, six years now. We'll see how it changes with their changes they've made. Um, you know, but to say that that he is not elite and to watch a team like Dallas with Gardner Minshew in at quarterback go put up 40-something points on our defense. Yes, their offense put up points. Did Gardner look good? But then what happened next week? Andy freaking Dalton and Taysom Hill beat us. Literally. Them two guys at quarterback in a game beat the Philadelphia Eagles with the only change we had at that time besides CJ being out still was Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position. Every other position was the same. Yeah, and that game. And we look, we look like crap. (laughs) Right, it cost us a. a, Which I mean, now I think we're okay with it because hell, we saw how the draft turned out, and we are completely okay with how the draft turned out. But I mean, think about it, bro. Like we didn't even look like the same team, and the excuse that got given to me is because of the style of quarterback Hurts is, and how our system is, and how different it is from Minshew. And that my response is I didn't have one. I left it alone. But Reggie, if you're listening, clearly, clearly, bro, you didn't watch the game. You didn't watch the game. I and I mean I don't expect you to. You're not a diehard Eagles fan. I am a 60 minutes every weekend 
win or lose, even if we're getting tramped, even if we're up big, I don't turn it off until the game's over. Then after the game's over, I'm right over to the post-game show where they're analyzing and taking out, you know, still frames and stuff like that. And then during the week when I have the opportunity to get the access, I'll check out the All-22 because you normally can find somebody that's left a link on, on YouTube for those who always have wondered how I always talk about All-22 and where you get the access. Go on YouTube, man. You can find anything on there. So give it a couple of days after the game comes out. Somebody probably bootleg throws that up on YouTube. And you can find watch the all twenty two at your pace, at your speed, and watch watch the game film. Watch it, watch it, and then try to tell me Jalen Hurts is not elite. Yeah, those passes it, it, it was amazing. It's uh, not that dude. His ball placement last year—that's one of the things that that's the biggest. Go read his draft card. Not a strong arm. Not good ball placement. Accuracy varies. Yeah, and we look at what he did this. last year. We talked yeah. about this early on when we first started Infinity Link. Um, I kind of compared him weirdly to Dak Prescott because how when he first came in the league, Dak Prescott, he has an arm. It was just mm-hmm. the timing of his passes, which he's right. through trying to camp through this damn day. Uh, <laughs> the timing. But I mean, think about it. He's a top 10 quarterback in the league now. Yeah, his timing was just off. So. When your timing's off, it doesn't matter your arm talent. Like, if the throw's late, it's, right. late, it's getting picked off, it's getting batted down. You're giving the DB a chance to uh, engage in the throw. And, yeah. Um, 90% it, of being a quarterback is decision-making, and I've heard that more than once. 10% is arm talent. Yeah. You can be – I mean, look at look at Peyton Manning. Nobody said Peyton Manning had great arm talent. He was a great arm strength. The man knew what to do with the football. He knew where to go. He knew how to read a defense. And the most important part, which I'll hip y'all young cats to it, whether you play point guard in basketball, you want to play quarterback in football, you want to play shortstop or pitcher in baseball or catcher. There's a few positions in that sport. Uh, You want to play center fielder in soccer, et cetera. You have got to help get your teammates in a position to be successful. That is the most important part of your job that the reason I don't like a lot of the changes in the NBA is because that's gotten lost. Point guard has become more of a scoring position. The guards, it's all combinating. It's really position of basketball. And who the person is that gets the offense set up is normally different, which in football, you can't deny. It's a quarterback. You have to be, at least on offense. On defense, it's your middle linebacker. Or safety, you know, there's a few people that can help get you all lined up and in the right place to make plays. But that's 90% of being the quarterback. Reading the defense, knowing what they're trying to do, and knowing where the best place to go with the football is that gets your player in the best place to be successful. Yeah. 90% of being a quarterback. Yes, sir. One thing, another thing I wanted to talk about, kind of highlight another offseason move that we made, which is another thing I think that's going to make us overall a better team was, of course, we brought Matt Patricia in. And, of course, we have big play Slay on the team. Um, when Darius Slay was traded to the Eagles from the Lions, there was a lot of bad blood between Slay and head coach Matt Patricia. Um, looked like we had gone our, they had gone their separate ways. Their paths crossed again this offseason. When we wanted to bring in Patricia as a consultant, which I think is a wonderful move, like you're bringing in a former head coach, um, a guy under the Bill Belichick tree 
as a consultant and we have the AFC East, which I've brought up on a former episode um, as who we get to play. Um, of course, we got the Bills, we got the Patriots, we got the Dolphins and um, yeah, Jets. Um, so a guy who's very familiar with the division. <clears throat> um, Slay, of course, was talked to about this. I kind of want to play another clip of what Slay was mentioning during a interview recently when um, he was just brought forward with the question of Matt Patricia being with the Eagles. Yeah. Well, can they talk to you about that And there's another part I wanted to play here. Uh, I mean, no, we, it's, no, it's not really, you know, it's, uh, it's a great understanding. Now, we both talked about, like I said, that we, man, we, uh, you know, you know, we both got, you know, we're a man, we're a man, so we kind of, it's like, hey, man, hey, we respect each other enough to uh, put everything in the line, you know, for So I hope that came across clear for everyone. Slay is going to put aside his differences because obviously he knows Matt Patricia is a great defensive mind and Slay is not the slightest selfish. He's not selfish at all. So bringing Patricia in as a defensive mind, um, especially going from Jonathan Gannon, fuck you, buddy. Um, (laughs) It helps so much. We got Sean Desai, um, defensive coordinator him being able to pivot to Matt Patricia and just be able to pick his mind especially about that AFC East division that we're going to have to go against there's a lot that Patricia is just going to be able to give insights into as Patricia has spent a lot of time in the AFC East and of course uh, what is it the NFC North so there's just a lot that he knows and he's a wonderful mind Bill Belichick tree Bill Belichick teaches you just enough uh, to be great with him and not better than him. But yeah. So I'm glad Slay was able to put that to the side. As right. a fan, first of all, because they had some major differences, which right. played out perfect for us. We got an elite cornerback, and I hope he's able to retire with us. But uh, it's a tremendous asset. Um, he has him and his wife both, bro. I, I mean, like, <laughs> Shout out, of course. I'm sure it's been noted. Her, her banana pudding is like trademarked at this point. But what's real cool, man, and I don't know if a lot of y'all know this. We've probably spoken on it a little bit before, but she goes out to the tailgates, bro, and brings her banana pudding out. She'll bring stuff out. She always has giveaways going on her stuff. She's giving away tickets. I mean, I my Darius Slay signed helmet uh, is sitting in my trophy case right now um, with our football from uh when we were up here in minnesota from the uh eagles patriots super bowl uh amongst other things that i have in there but they're dude they've just been a huge you you nailed it just an asset to the city what a great move bringing him in 
you know, a lot of flack was caught, a lot of flack was said, um, and even by the man who we're currently discussing. Um, and how great to see that both of them put their differences on the side for the betterment of the team. Um, and just another reason right there, man, why I just, like I told you, just a real, I'm excited. I'm ready for kickoff. I wish it was next week, man. I'm ready to get this stuff on the road. Uh, I got a real good feeling about this team this year, bro. It's probably one of the most anticipated seasons, uh, since Terrell Owens came to the Eagles. Um, so we're just ready to get this kicked off, man. Wonderful thing about that is uh, first game of the preseason kicks off in 11 days where we go to Baltimore and see the other Dirty Birds and the Baltimore Ravens will be playing there. Um, so we're getting some football very soon. Even Do though you think Jalen takes a snap? I, I, I could really foreseeably see a bunch of marquee guys not playing a single snap in preseason. Um, you know, it's only week three that the starters may see something, and that's against the Colts. Uh, so against the former offensive coordinator turned head coach, um, that's going to be at the link August 24th, 8 p.m., uh, where the Colts come and visit us. I, maybe one series, just, you know, to kind of get them going. That's all we're going to see. Um, other than that, we're going to see a lot of Marcus Mariota. Uh, and I'm excited for that. Now, like we had touched on earlier, um, didn't really go into the full effect. There's a lot of flat coming out towards him in camp. Um, throwing a few interceptions, a couple today. Um, shout out to Kayvon Wallace. It sounds like he really had a good day at camp today. That's much needed. Um, slide note there, it does sound like uh, Reed has held down the safety spot. Um, the other safety spot has kind of been a rotation. There's been a different guy getting first team reps every day. Um, the guy who gets the majority, it was Edmonds at first, but it sounds like he's not getting as much. I do see in a lot of the, where they're talking about a nice catch was made. It sounds like it's on him a lot. Um, so of course, you know, there's, there's a candidate we talked about somebody that might not make the team. Um, but yeah, back to exactly what I was talking about. Um, you know, (laughs) excuse me, man. I got choked up there for a second. Um, Gosh, what was I saying? Back to the back to the original point. Um, you know, it's just that the defense, or I'm sorry, Marcus Mariota has looked very, very terrible. Um, whether that is because our defense is very good, there's also been some rumblings about our second string offensive line um, really having some issues to start out camp. Again, is that because of the depth of our defensive line? Our defensive line is going to make a lot of teams look bad. Um, so, you know, is Mariota really having that bad of a camp or do you think that it is more just our defensive line rotation and how deep we are on that side of the ball? Yeah. Which do you think? You think it's, he's really playing that bad or is it the rotation? Rotation. And honestly, uh, Edmonds is a veteran, so if he's not playing up to the par that we see him, and then we got this guy, Sidney Brown, behind him. Uh, we yeah. got uh, Kevon Wallace, um, possibly Ringo, possibly playing a little bit of safety um, as he's the heir apparent, obviously, as an outside cornerback behind Bradbury and Slay. Um, I think they just kind of want to see what everyone can do. Yeah. But, we're going to come back to you all with another episode. We're kind of going to end it there. What a cliffhanger. 
Um, next episode, we're going to have some notes, more stuff. We kind of freestyle this whole episode, but nonetheless, it was amazing. Drew, I always appreciate your time. We're going to have to find a way for us to get together and go to a game together. Um, yeah. Dang, the Vikings actually play us this year, but it's in Philly. Uh, For the last two years, man. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, man, we we had a, a pretty good month this month. Man, we're trying to have an even better month this month. Uh, it has been a, especially since it's a link now, a little known fact. I mean, some of you might say that makes me a little less of a fan. I certainly don't think so. I have not been to a Philadelphia Eagles game Hey, man, what's up? What's happening? You already know who it is and what it is. It's your boy, Nephew Q, but I need everybody listening to the sound of my voice to do me a favor one time for the one time. Make sure you go like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channels, KY Beyond the Game, Conversations with Q, and Spoken Minds. But if you can't sit down and watch us on YouTube, don't worry, we got you covered. Make sure you download the podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms because Underneath the Beyond the Game umbrella, we got a show for everybody. If you want to know what's going on in society, culture, entertainment, sports, and everything in between, check out the Conversations with Q podcast. If you're a North Carolina fan, my dude Don J got you covered with the Hills Have Eyes podcast about all things North Carolina basketball related. If you're struggling in your relationship, want some relationship advice, or you just want to hear some daily talk about things going on in society, check out our He Said, She Said podcast. Fantasy football owners, hey, we got a podcast for you too with our We So KY fantasy football podcast that keeps you up to date with the best fantasy football league in america well not just america the world and also keeps you up to date with what's going on in the fantasy football world hey if you want to show about entertainment and sports we got you covered with the spoken minds podcast hosted by chris jones and ike Byrne, talking about sports and entertainment in a way that you've never ever heard before but hey we got you covered on the NFL tip as our guys Don J and Drew hit you up with the Infinity Link podcast, a show about all things Philadelphia Eagles related. BBN, we ain't left you out either. We got the I Rock UK Blue podcast hosted by Bravo and Rich the Bull that keeps you up to date with all things going on with UK basketball related. If you're an NBA fan, don't worry. We got you covered with the Fast Break podcast as my guy KJ and myself keep you up to date talking about is LeBron going to retire? What's Victor? Wimby Yanama gonna do and will Zion Wilson ever play for the New Orleans Pelicans but hey all this you can check out make sure you download all the podcasts underneath the Beyond the Game umbrella we got more shows coming in the future so keep it locked and let's get back to the show yeah welcome back guys it's your boy Drew my bad as you know I got a little long-winded when we were kicking things off uh we was leaving things off I was letting y'all know I have never been to a home Eagles game I've uh, been to a couple of away ones up here in Minnesota um, once as a kid, and I wish I would have got to make the one up here, the big one for the Super Bowl, but unfortunately can't claim that one either. Um, but yeah, man, uh, real interested in me and Don even we're chatting a little bit about it. We, we got a goal in mind. We are going to get ourselves to an Eagles game. We will do a before show for y'all and an after show after the game. Uh, bring a little something spicy to the podcast for you guys. What you got for us today, my boy, Don? Uh, to kind of continue on, we was going to end it, but we're going to do a little extended Snyder's cut. Um, to dive like right back into it, um, we have a lot of people on this team to keep happy. Um, not only from like the playing time aspect, which I think everybody um, has a little 
selflessness in them when it comes to that as far as rotating because obviously it keeps our older players fresh. Those new guys get going and they bring a jolt to the team. Youth always brings a jolt to a team, especially a veteran team like we have. I think we're like right in the middle. We're not the oldest team. We're not the youngest team. We're like right smack dab in the middle where we're not rebuilding. Uh, we're still very much in contention. Um, we have some players at key positions who we can look at as kind of like next in line to be our Fletcher Cox, our Hassan Reddick, our Derek Barnett per se. And heck, we even have a, well, we have a cornerback in waiting in uh, Kelly Ringo as the outside cornerback, at least. Avante mm-hmm. Maddox is a little younger than the rest of them as he was just drafted in 2018. So he should be sticking around in the slot. But to kind of segue into that, um, we were talking about Hassan Reddick a little earlier. Um, he has some lofty goals for himself, not only for this year and beyond. Reddick is the only player in NFL history with double-digit sack campaigns for three different teams in three consecutive seasons. Jeez. So that goes from his time with the Arizona Cardinals to the Carolina Panthers and his first year with us and the Eagles, of course. And uh, he finished tied second um, in the NFL with 16 and a half. Uh, He was tied with Miles Garrett. Um, His 26 uh, quarterback hits were eighth in the NFL. And he finished tied for 10th in pressures with 68 while also having a career high 15.9% pressure rate. So with that being said, he's obviously cemented himself as a top edge in the NFL, but his pay doesn't match. Like when he came over, we knew we were getting a steal. Um, It wasn't a prove it deal because it wasn't a short-term contract. I want to say what three, four years that we signed him for. So, as we alluded to earlier, just thinking about going ahead and restructuring his contract to get him some more pay because, honestly, I think he's earned it. And I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. I think the younger guys are going to even push him to be better with the rotation that we've added to what was last year because on the the defensive line, we just lost – what was it? Just – Hargrave. Yeah, that's all we (laughs) lost. As far as impact – the Hargraves all we lost. Yeah, so with that, I mean, Reddick, of course, you had Sue and Joseph who had, I would say, some impact during the year. But like we talked about in our earlier pod, those both are candidates to come back to. You know how how he loves to do uh, due to injury or you know anything that goes on during the season. Uh, he will not hesitate to bring either one of those gentlemen back into the fold either. Yeah, or, or somebody else. Those good old mercenary contracts, as I think the term has been now coined, uh, what Howie does. Like, okay, we don't need you here for training camp. I know what you can do. You're a veteran. You've proven what you can do, but I don't need you possibly getting hurt um, when we're looking at these younger players because that's who these reps are mainly for, the younger players. We don't need you still in reps. We don't need you showing up. When I call on you, get in shape if you're not already in shape and earn a good amount of money while chasing the Super Bowl ring, of course. Um, Hassan Reddick and Miles Garrett are the only players in the league to have double-digit sacks in the last three years. So it isn't a small sample size. Um, the 19-and-a-half sacks, which includes the playoffs, led the NFL, and his three-and-a-half sacks in the postseason were the most for any player in the Eagles franchise history. Wow. So this is a franchise, of course, we've had Reggie White, uh, Clyde Simmons, a Hugh Douglas, a Brandon Graham. Um. Only Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt have more sacks than Hassan over the last three years. So 
that's further proof that he's among the elite pass rushers. And what, he ranks like 18th in pay, I believe, over uh, defensive ends in the league. It may be even lower than that. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, and and what I really want to touch on about this, too, is what a class act. I mean, you could see our reporters were doing the normal thing that they do. They were trying to grab a soundbite. They were trying to stir something up. They do this all the time, whether it's Philadelphia or anywhere else. It's a reporter's job, so we're just going to have to get over that aspect. But, you know, the the questions they were throwing at Hassan, and then they kept going further into it, and Hassan didn't bite. He just said he, you know, it's well documented how he feels about that situation, and he's not going to worry about that aspect of it. He's going to worry about what he can control, which is a great attitude to have, and he's going to let its play on his field speak for itself. So, I mean, granted, I would love to see us fix a way to, like you said, restructure or extend the current extension to give him some more money or finagle some things around. But also at the same time, I think you touched on it. We have um, waiting in the wings help. And I think Howie's kind of been positioning in us for that, for the players that he knows either are soon to leave due to age or soon to leave due to, uh outplaying their contract he's one i definitely worry about i love hassan he's a temple guy hometown kid um and i'd love to see him finish his career in an eagles uniform those statements and how great he's been doing make me worry if we're going to be able to afford to keep him around in an eagles uniform i think we are because simply how he knows his way around cap room and cap space so how he could restructure it and throw in some petty things like, hey, you get a bonus just for showing up to training camp. You get a bonus just for being at practice. You get a bonus just for doing weightlifting, conditioning, things like that that's not going to actually affect the cap space, but also right. allow him to get paid. And Lurie is not a cheap owner. That's one thing we don't have to worry about. Facts. Eagles, we know what we value the most is our offensive line and defensive line primarily before anything. That's the utmost important thing to our team. Um, Hassan has some lofty goals for himself. Uh, Since draft day, even more recently um, in an interview, he was talking about um, he wants to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, It's been since day one. Um, Always wanted to be the best. Always wanted to be one of the best in the league, and that's what he strives to do. all Reddick at this point can do is just go to work. I don't think he really has to worry about the pay aspect again because Howie. I'm going to even go on to say he's got the body of work to be the caliber of player he wants to be, like you said, if he continues on the trajectory. Um, yeah, I mean, and he's he's reliable. He's not injured very often. He hasn't missed very many games in his career. You know, um, so he continues on that trajectory. He's absolutely a Hall of Fame caliber player um, in my eyes. I mean, I would venture to say, yeah, I'll say it. I know it's a little biased because, of course, we're Eagles fans, but he's got to be the most underrated defensive player in the entire NFL right now. As far as, you know, you saw where he was ranked this year on all the little defensive end rankings and stuff like that. And like you said, this man only trails Miles Garrett and who else? Uh, Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt. 
only Charles Miles Garrett and TJ Watt, the dudes who are looked at as definitely top two or top three, not number three in their position. Um, and you know, Parsons gets thrown in there. And I mean, honestly, that's who I think the overrating goes to because if you look at the numbers, um, you can argue with our defense and being stacked and whatever it was. We put he put up better numbers than Parsons last year. That's just, that's just the facts of it. He had more sacks. I think he had more tackles, more forced fumbles, more fumble recoveries. I mean, across the board, he outperformed Michael Parsons last year. And to be ranked lower than him is disrespectful. Yeah. Um, even looking like at something as petty as like Madden ratings, uh, just pulled up the Madden 24 ratings. Uh, at his position, he's ranked fourth in overall wise. You got Max Crosby ahead of him, TJ Watt, Joey Bosa, and then right at number four is Hassan Reddick. Um, technically, he's a left outside linebacker, but cemented with us, he is a edge rusher. He's right. very rarely actually standing up, I should say, or you know, off of the line of scrimmage. We want him. Right. Down on the line. He's a three-four outside, but in a four-three scheme, he's a defensive end. Yeah, I mean, and that's just as simple as I can put it. You're not, and I, I'll be interested to see the what Desai does and his philosophies and his changes on things. You heard Gannon say a couple times last year um, that maybe had we not dropped him back into coverage so much, Hassan would have had more sacks. Think about that. He was close to the NFL record for sacks in a year. You know, not very, not, not all the way close, not just one or two shy, but, you know, let's say what he played in coverage, even 30 or 40% of his plays, you put him back down, down on the line in those plays. How many more sacks do you think he comes up with? I think he's pushing that NFL record. If you put him down there the entire time. Yeah. And so I think just to see what the side does. Yeah. And I just think from a uh, defensive philosophy, just trying to think, in the mind of a defensive coordinator. I am not a defensive coordinator by chance. I'm pretty good with like alignments and kind of spotting out like what kind of coverage we in as a play breaks down. Right. But you don't always want to put him down because then you become predictable. It's like, okay, he's just rushing the quarterback. I don't have to exactly. work. Drop him exactly. back or doing things like that. But like when you line him up on the line and then let's say he drops in coverage and then you have another rusher coming. Stunts and doing things like that just makes it so unpredictable of what you want to do when you see him on the field. Just like people used to worry so much about Brian Westbrook. Where is he on the field? Locate where he is on the field and try to stop him from there. That's kind of how we do with Hassan. Like yeah. okay, He might be lined up, but he doesn't rush 100% of the time. Majority exactly. of the time he does, but don't let that fool you. He can drop back. And he's athletic. He can cover there. I don't think there's probably a single tight end that he probably can't cover, especially step for step. Uh, some right. tight ends, such as like a Kittle or some of your bigger tight ends, yeah. Yeah. they might uh, go up and like grab over him. But we don't have to worry about someone beating him in like a flat foot race. Right. They're not going to be 10 yards away from him because they're that much faster than him. Uh, <clears throat> TJ Edwards. Um, but you know, and, and we did a lot of five, two fronts last year. I think that's one of the things that I picked up on most that was different about our defense from years past is we did a lot of five down linemen. Uh, and for those of you who don't know the football terminology, that's five down linemen with two linebackers, uh, is that five, two front that you're looking at. I know we went to that a lot later in the year, 
But really, we kind of, and they still are talking about it up here, we really threw Minnesota's whole game plan off because we kept switching what formations we go in. Now, guys, I don't think you realize that's very rare for a defense to do that. Most of them, and now I'm sure it's coming a lot more in the NFL, but you have your mostly strictly 4-3 defenses, strictly 3-4. You don't see as many 5-2s, but they, they run it. I mean, when they run a formation, that's kind of what they run most of the time, unless they're getting into nickel or dime coverages. But as far as fronts go, teams are normally running the same one, I'd say at least 85% of the time. Last year, I don't think we ran the same front. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 65 4 3 you know, 15 to 20%, 3-4, and then the rest of the percentage you got out there, we were 5-2. We changed up a lot last year, and it confused teams. It's what helped make our defense as good as it was. And like you touched on, it really emphasized on the, okay, you have your A, B, C, or D linemen that you have to key on in the game. Where's Hassan at? Where's he lining at? And then it allows you to go find the weakness in an offensive line. That's what our depth and rotation has been able to do for us. So when we clearly see a mismatch, we're going to continue to exploit it until like you saw, they made the mistake in the 49ers game of sliding a tight end over, putting a back end to help chip. But that, that opens it up for the inside when you do that. That means Jalen Carter is going to eat. That means uh, – Cox is going to eat. That means Jordan Davis has a chance to eat. Um, you can even slide BG to the inside and give him a chance to eat on plays like that. You know, and they slid. I don't think people notice this, but Fletch got slid out to D end a few times last year as well. Um, so it was really, and that's what I'm talking about earlier when I said I'm really interested to see what the differences between Gannon and Desai are. Because I know there's not a lot of things that people enjoyed about Jonathan Gannon's tenure here. But one of the things I enjoyed was almost every defensive play, like you had mentioned, trying to figure out what formation we were in and what we were, what our principles were, what we were trying to do with it, who we were keying on, who we were trying to shut off. Like, for example, in the Minnesota game, everything was dictated to stop two players. And it was the two players that I said all along going into the game, we couldn't let have big games. Number one was Dalvin Cook, who is no longer with the Vikings, which is why you saw a lot of 5-2 fronts in that game. And number two was Justin Jefferson. Now, Darius Slade did an amazing job holding his own on him. But when you go back and you watch the all 22 of that game, we were rolling help coverage, whether it was underneath. If Darius's assignment was the deep ball, we had coverage underneath. And if Darius was to stay underneath, we had coverage over the top. That we were determined that Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook were not going to beat us. We were okay with anybody else beating us. And the Vikings clearly did not have the firepower to do so. Yeah. And um, with Desai, um, we've been able to kind of like see some of the things that he does with the defensive line, such as like his NASCAR packages, where, heck, he might put four edge rushers on the line. And there's just so much you can do with that. Because, Or he might put four incredibly talented edge rushers on one side of the line and put your power on the other side. Yeah. So that's where I think like some of the flexibility comes in. Because obviously we're looking at guys like uh, rookie uh, Nolan Smith coming in. Like 
people are going to be very afraid when they see him line up with just his speed. Kid ran what a four three as right. a rusher, and that's amazing. So when you have him and like Hassan, imagine we line them up on the same side of the field, and then we have a Jalen Carter uh or Jordan Davis on the other side or Fletch, whatever rotation. Or or, I mean, think about like a um a Josh Sweat. Now you can put them anywhere you want. This is just like the NASCAR type package. Yeah. Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Nolan Smith, and Hassan. All in that package. I mean, that is a hell of a little pass rush for any team in the NFL. And that's just one of the many combinations we can run. Derek Barnett is back. If he's healthy, if he's going to give us anything, he's going to factor into that. I think he would be one from what I've seen out of the play from him over the years in an Eagles uniform. He would be one that a slide to the inside on some downs is going to help him. He has that strength. He has that physical ability to go up against your heavier guards instead of, you know, your more agile tackles that you have out there. So, like you said, it is going to be so interesting especially once the well I'm going to be paying attention a lot in the preseason but you know teams are very vanilla on their playbooks in the preseason so I I'm ready for week one man because I know um we got Bill we're going to Bill it's going to be Brady night it's going to be a lot of specialness in the air and the Eagles are coming in town to wreck the party and what I'm most interested to see is if you've been paying attention to the news out there number one who's starting for the Patriots under center but number two if we can go on and get whoever that is out of the game by halftime and no I'm not talking about injury I'm just talking about both of those quarterbacks both Bailey Zappi who was a Western Kentucky University alum shout out to WKU and both Mac Jones, who in Alabama alone, friends with Jalen Hurts, sat behind him for two years. Um, I'm interested to see they both have the tendency to see ghosts and get quick feet out there. So we go out there and hit them a few times early with whatever combination we're going to have. We're setting ourselves up very good for success in that game to make them force and throw bad interceptions and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's just real, it's real exciting to see what we're going to do on that side of the football. And I mean, think about that. That's, it's super exciting for us. And then our offense is already, we talked about that earlier in this episode. We just have so many weapons. How are they not exciting? So probably man, you know, uh, just as talented as last year's team. I don't know if you would agree with that. I feel like we're just as talented. We're maybe not as old in the veteran at some positions that we were last year. But I feel like the talent's there, man. Uh, and if there is a step back, I don't think it's going to be drastic. Um, real quick, though, just a pivot. I heard this question brought up the other day, so I wanted to pose it to you, too. With the schedule the Eagles have, if we get off to a slow start, and by slow start, I'm saying 1-2, and 0-2, 1-1, uh, you know, potentially, gosh, not really with our schedule, don't see it being that bad. But if we drop a couple games early, how concerned would you be about our season? Uh, I don't want to speak into existence simply because, honestly, the first loss, looking at the schedule, just what it is, I didn't see a loss on our schedule until week seven when we have yeah. when we host the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I think we can kind of claw our way and fight our way through. Um, I don't think the offense is going to have a hiccup. As we alluded to earlier uh, in this uh, episode, I mentioned Brian Johnson as being our X factor. He's not yeah. 
brand new to calling uh, the calls um, in the NFL. Yes, it is different for him, but he has plenty of experience. And I mean, he's coached up a lot of players in college. As we mentioned, the Kyle Trask, the Kyle Pitts, uh, helped Dak Prescott's all SEC uh, honors and things like that. It's amazing. And you yeah. just mentioned like Brady Knight. Um, that I think is going to be where we see the influence of Matt Patricia. Because simply, I can't recall how many years he was with New England, but simply being in the AFC East that long and being under Belichick with the New England Patriots, there's a lot we're going to be able to soak in. The side's going to be able to soak in and be like, okay, this is what I need to prepare for. This is some things Belichick is accustomed to. This is some things that he likes to attack. He's been an offensive coordinator with the Patriots. Right. I was going to say he's been on both sides of the ball, too, which makes him even more valuable. Yeah. So Especially defensively because it'll give our offense an advantage on here's what he likes to do in this situation. Uh, Here's Because if the Patriots probably have the more continuity on the defensive side of the ball, and if they're going to be – a fringe playoff team or potential playoff team this year, the defense is going to be the one to carry them to do it. So I think, like you said, yes, uh, that's a big advantage for us there. And I guess this kind of goes into my question. That's where the whole slow start came from. So reason I brought that up is it is notorious um, for the loser of the Super Bowl. And we've heard this all off season about the hangover and to not make the playoffs, to not get back blah, 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 et cetera. We've expressed many times we feel this team is different. So as different as you feel we are, do you feel there will be any early season hangover from last year? Or do you think the way we last year ended will catapult us in the first few weeks of the season because of our hunger? The hunger is going to catapult us. There's a lot of guys that's bitter from that Super Bowl loss. We've heard A.J. Brown allude to it. We've seen Jalen Hurts lock screen, which he really didn't want that to come out because a interview, uh, someone actually asked him about that. It was like, uh, yeah, you wasn't supposed to see that. I'm not going to really answer it. You happen to see it. Uh, he's not going to mention where it came from or where the idea is, but we see where his right. is. We're not going to see any hangover or drop off from Jalen Hurts. Even if you look at like pre the previous training camp uh, data, like, uh, his completion percentage is higher. He hasn't thrown a single interception this year, which is the first for him in training mm-hmm. camp. Um, a lot of guys are getting heavily involved from the Goddard with the most targets. A.J. Brown, there's not much we have to worry about there. Uh, Smitty, he's just getting better by the second. Um, right. And then now, which to allude to the running back room, Sirianni, and Brian Johnson have been able to see what they can do with like a Swift, which kind of makes me scared of Penny, uh, Rashad Penny, because if we think about it, if Penny doesn't pan out as much as we've heard about um, Trey Sermon, mm-hmm. Penny's not going to be a threat in the passing game. He can be, he can catch the ball. Uh, special teams was his forte when he first came to the league. He can do it all, but we're not going to make him do it all. He shed he's a few, right. he's lighter. He says he feels great, which is amazing. Um, he is a little bit of injury prone, but he's never like had the same injury. It's just like some random BS that happens to right. him, unfortunately. Right. But like looking at our schedule, I mean, we got the Patriots, we got the Vikings, we got the Bucks, we got the Commanders, the LA Rams, the Jets, and then week seven going to the Dolphins. I don't foresee us losing 
any of those games. And with the Jalen Ramsey uncertainty, I don't even think he's set to be back until like November, December. So he may not right. even be back for that game versus us. And just right. I heard that, early I he returns, he could be back, but that would be like the very first week he would be available to be back. Yeah. And when you see an Eli Apple out there, even covering Quez, it's just gonna be, yeah, we're we're attacking you. <laughs> we're attacking you. We'll, the- we'll be doing instead of trying to find the defensive playmaker, we'll be where's Eli at? That's where we're gonna attack. <laughs> you know, and I mean you've seen Sirianni's willingness to, I mean, he he doesn't make football harder than it has to be. If there is a flat out weakness out there, he is gonna continue to attack it until you stop it whether it's on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball, if there is a mismatch, he is going to attack it until you make him stop. Um, and I really, I, I've enjoyed that about his coaching for the first couple of years with the Eagles. People used to get upset. I mean, cause you'll see us run the same play two or three times on a series. And maybe we throw a little wrinkle in and run it to a different side or we got a look that we wanted one time. So we're going back to see because, you know, there was nobody's perfect and reads get missed and things like that. So you'll see him. Okay. Hey, we missed a wide open Goddard on this read. Let's run it again and see if he's wide open again. Jalen, if he's open, hit him and get him the football. You know, it's just the continuity and what I like the most is they're all on the same page. People made a big deal last year, and we saw how big of a deal it ended up being for Jalen to have that continuity with the same offensive coordinator. Yes, Shane Steichen is gone. Technically, we have a new offensive coordinator. I don't count that, man. This man has known him all his life. He was there last year. He was very instrumental in his development last year. So I look at it as year three of Jalen Hurts in the same system. And that's something and that he unfortunately never had that. Yeah. Never. Since college. Never. He's yeah. never had that. And, and honestly, going back to your question about the schedule, I honestly think we can go into the bye nine and oh. Um week 10's our bye and uh week eleven, then we travel uh to Kansas City and winning in that that's when shit gets real <laughs> winning in kansas city is hard their their fan base is amazing i'm not gonna kansas city better sign chris jones back or i'm gonna be a lot less worried about them this year too <laughs> i definitely understand you there i definitely feel like we can go into that by uh undefeated especially with the jalen ramsey him coming back and that being his first game that's a tough first draw for you coming back Right. Welcome back. You can cover Smitty or AJ. Take your pick. I think even if he was close to being ready, that's not necessarily you want to bring a guy back from an injury like that, too. They may hold off. I don't know who they play the following week. Um, you know, it could be another dynamic receiver, but I don't think he's going to see uh, too many with the firepower that we have. And I know you've heard Randy Moss has come out recently and said he thinks that this is absolutely the best wide receiver duo bar none. He thinks maybe the Bengals boys are a close second, but he doesn't think that as far as overall talent, there is two wide receivers in this league that are better than Smitty and AJ. And I agree. I said at the beginning of the offseason, and I'll keep saying it until somebody proves it wrong. Yeah. So schedule-wise, I think we're a good look. Um, I believe that what we've seen from Swift, I think he's going to get a lot more carries. Kenny 
uh, Gainwell, uh, Kenny G. Uh, of course, we trust him running in between the tackles, as we've seen during like our playoff run where we kind of thrusted him in. Um, it kind of makes you wonder about Boston Scott in a way, but I know there's two games for sure we can count on him to do something. Um, which is the Giants, of course. Um, not sure what it is when he sees that blue, red, white, and blue. You know, Nick's gonna give him the opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like I mentioned, that's what we love about Nick. Yeah. So to any betters, any touchdown props you see for. Uh, Boston Scott against the Giants or anything like that, just go ahead and put them in there. Put them in your uh, fantasy lineups uh, for that particular week. Uh, what is that? Those customs, those best ball lineups you do. Put put Boston yeah. Scott in the lineups for those two weeks. It's, it's certainly going to – it seems it will pay off. Right, but, right. Yeah. Um, we're not going to hold back Jalen. Um He's going to run the ball. He's going to do some amazing things. <laughs> Sounds got, like they're doing it a lot in practice, too. Yeah. We also got the Seahawks on the schedule, which is where we just pulled the side from. We play them in week 15 at Seattle. There's a lot. I he think needs. they're going to have the season everybody thought they would have last year. That's just my hink, inkling that I got on it. Pete Carroll's a great coach. I won't take anything away from him. Know a couple Seahawks fans, but – if you ask me, I think they're going to take the step back that most people thought they would last year. I don't think they'll be that bad where they'll be worse, one of the worst teams in football. But I think they're a team that you could see miss the playoffs this year. Yeah. Um, to kind of piggyback off the Brian Johnson thing, um, kind of a quote that was pulled from him yesterday. He's extremely comfortable calling plays. Ultimately, um, we're executing a vision that we have for the offense throughout the course of the week, being here the last two years, understanding exactly how things are operated, understanding exactly how coach Sirianni wants things done. Um, he thinks that's been vital for him. So it's not like we just pulled a guy from another team or off the streets. We promoted within. He's seen uh, Steichen and what he did. He's seen what's already been successful. And then he already has his own mind, things he can pull from his college stage and things that he's just been learning and soaking up, just being on the staff as a quarterback coach. I don't have – I have a lot of faith in what Brian Johnson is going to be able to do and just having that comfortability knowing Hurts all his life is great. Um, like I said, I think the offense is going to carry us early on. But what's scary is, honestly, I don't think we're probably going to repeat the sack production. But our defense overall could be better than what it was last year, especially against the run. We know that was an obvious weakness. So if the offense gets going as we expect it should, um, the defense can kind of just pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. That makes life for them a lot easier. Um, so yeah, when we're rushing the quarterbacks, we got those quarterbacks with happy feet. That's going to make the cornerbacks job easier. That's going to make the safeties jobs easier. And, um, uh, we're not sure at the safety position, especially one of them reads, uh, Ed Reed Blankenship has secured one of those positions for sure. He's taken every first team rep at his position. Um, and then having the experience of an admins, which we want to see more from, um, uh, having Kevon Wallace flash every now and then, um, having Sidney Brown learn. Um, we have guys that certainly want to hit. I don't think there's physicality-wise, there's a player that we're afraid of, like making an open field tackle. Um, so as far as defense goes, I think the offense is going to carry them and make the defensive job easier. But Desai is a beautiful mind. So 
what he's going to be able to manufacture with the weapons he has at his disposal, I just can't wait to see. Um, we've seen defensive line abuse the offensive line. We've seen the offensive line abuse the defensive line in practice. So iron is sharpening iron. When we talk about our defensive line going against other teams, what better offensive line are you really going to go against? There's not many. You can't name five. And when you think about the offensive line going against the defensive line in practice, same thing stands. How many defensive lines are our offensive line going to go against outside of practice that's better than what they see every day? So we shouldn't be scared of anything. We're ready. Sirianni's been on the bullhorn quite often. He's not messing around by any means. He has that bitter taste in his mouth. Um, he has that Philly blood, so he's cocky, he's confident, and he wants right. the best out of everyone, and he has everyone in the locker room's ear, and it seems like we have an amazing leader for plenty of years to come. Facts. Yeah, so very excited about all that. Uh, Quez Watkins, definitely want to see uh, you prove that elite status. Jordan Davis improvement, um, how he's more in shape, but maintained his weight. Um, he's not going to have to play every down. We don't have to depend on that right. defensive lineman. So honestly, it's like for offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson and defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, it's like walking in the candy room. It's like, what am I going to pick up today? What am I going to do this? Exactly. I don't have to depend or do the same thing week in and week out. There's so much I can play with, and there's so much to discover of what these guys can actually do, and I'm not afraid to actually be creative and let them do some different things. Because as I said, imagine how tough that makes us in film study for the opponents preparing for us when we don't have to do the same thing. Or we can, like I mentioned a minute ago, add a wrinkle to a play to add an element. And I mean, you have to defend three or four different elements of the play. And then on defense, you know, we can mix up. And, and that's one of the things that from watching films of his defenses, Desai loves to mix up his coverages and what he's doing. And his MO is to make that quarterback as uncomfortable as possible, whether it be because he doesn't know what's coming, he's not able to read the defense correctly, or he reads the defense and he's wrong. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting, like you said, to be a candy shop, um, to piggyback off Jalen Hurts last year, I fully expect us to be a favorite steakhouse again, that you can get what you want and have it your way. And I expect that on both sides of the ball. Whereas last year, um, obviously the success for defenses was to run against us. So it'll be interesting to see if we do have any Achilles heels this year, if they rear their ugly heads, but on paper, it doesn't look like there's many, if it. Not not at all. And even when it comes to our rushing defense, we can go out there and put four or five heavy guys on the line, put Hassan off ball, put a Nolan Smith off ball, N'Kobe off ball, of course, and then even having Morrow or Christian Ellis, who has been amazing in camp thus far off ball. And it's just like, okay, we got the speed. We got the physicality then it's all about execution at that point, which I have 150% in. Sean Desai is going to be able to match up and identify what teams are going to want to do to us, try to pick out our weaknesses. There's not a lot. And with the way that I, I assume our offense is going to operate, 
it's just going to be like, well, do I want to stick out and run the ball for opposing offensive coordinators? Do I want to try to attack what appears to be their weakness? Or am I going to put my quarterback out there, whether a vet or a younger guy who might possibly get happier feet over those veteran quarterbacks we'll go against? It's just like, what what am I comfortable doing against this team? And that's going to keep coordinators up all night throughout the night. Absolutely. We're going to be putting in some overtime. <laughs> Plenty of sleepless nights getting ready to be had in the league this year. Yes, sir. All we got to do is stay healthy, man. That's that's what – I I can't lie. I'll keep it a G. I pray every night. When I go <laughs> lay my head down in bed, of course, you pray for the normal things you pray for. But that last little thing I say before I'm done with my prayer is, God, please keep the Eagles healthy this season so we can win this bowl. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. And so our Affinity Link fans, we're going to end it there. We're going to have plenty much more for you. Training camp is rearing down. Uh, preseason is coming in, what, 10 days. I think we have our mm-hmm. first game against the Ravens. More episodes to come. We love everyone for listening to us. We want some of you all to join the show. Um, Infinity Link, Beyond the Game. Shout out to Nephew Q for giving us this platform. Drew and Don out. Drew, you got any last second? Got any last words here? We're about to cut off. Go Birds. Go Birds. We're going to catch you all. Peace.